Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome someone I've known for a long time and someone who's busy building healthy cities in the world, Anupam Yog. Anupam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashutosh, and it's an honor and privilege to be here. Thank, Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Anupam is... Uh, Working, you know, as, as he says, placemaking for healthy cities, and uh, you call it your thing. Um, Anupam has worked with the National University of Singapore uh, as an associate director of scale, and he's also in his previous avatar worked with several companies in India, including Abbas Solutions, the Partners LLC, and the Virtuous Retail. So, Anupam, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career? So, I think the the I'll go in, in, in reverse order. Uh-huh. I think my third milestone is yet to come. Okay. Uh, and my second milestone was actually a, a profound moment when I happened to go for somewhat on a whim for a 10-day silent meditation retreat three years ago before mm-hmm. I was beginning my MBA journey from Chicago Booth, which was quite an intense program. Sure. So decided to take a few days off what I thought was a digital detox and a retreat turned out to be a boot camp where they teach you um, specifically a meditation technique mm-hmm. uh, of essentially observing yourself. And uh, that had a profound impact on me physically, mentally, and really shifted my perspective. And we can go into that later. But that was, I suppose, a very important milestone because it was really after that shift that uh, I decided to pursue education as one of my main themes and and ended up working with the National University of Singapore, as you highlighted earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, I think prior to that, my first milestone would very much be the beginning of my professional journey, which was with a student organization called ISEC. I was very fortunate to have uh, become a volunteer uh, at the time. This is around the turn of the century. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my main uh, motivations at that time was to occupy the, the role of national president of ISEC in India, the India chapter of this international organization. And I was very fortunate to have been elected into that position, which gave me really a driver's seat in running your own organization at 21, a multinational in its, of its own kind. In fact, one of its kind mm-hmm. uh, enabled me to really understand uh, learning by doing mm-hmm. how organizations function. And, and I think that has to be my best a reference point for all the subsequent experiences. Amazing. So now let's talk about uh, what you're doing currently and what you seem to be very passionate about, which is placemaking for healthy cities. Before I ask you what kind of work you're doing, tell me what, what is the meaning of placemaking for healthy cities? So, you know, we are uh, fast becoming an urban species. Yeah. We live we are born in many of us and we definitely live most of our lives at least the majority of mm-hmm. the population on this planet now lives in cities mm-hmm. and therefore we can safely assume based on recent historical data that that's the trend mm-hmm. uh, in a few decades we will in fact 70 or 80 percent of us will be living uh, in cities and despite what the pandemic may be showing us that people are relocating. They're actually relocating from bigger cities to smaller cities, but they're still largely uh, choosing to reside in cities. Um, And this has been the focus of my work over the last 15 years. I entered the world of cities through the route of branding, which is somewhat unconventional, but I had an opportunity to work for the mayor of London for a few years. And that really helped shape my thinking around how cities actually work. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that also created a, a fascination with urbanization as a trend. And particularly in Asia, where, of course, the majority of the world lives. And I was born and brought up in India and um, still do a lot with India's urbanization mm-hmm. challenges in helping us formulate new ways to think about it. And then I also had the opportunity to work on real estate development, which is one of the processes through which we build cities. Um, And combined with what I said in relation to my recent experience with mindfulness and meditation, it really came to me over the last 12 or 18 months that there is a very deep connection between cities and our mental and social health. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to unpack that. So quite simply, placemaking for healthy cities, as the phrase suggests, is literally making our places more purpose-fit for our mental, social, and physical health. And and that's really the work I'm doing now. Fascinating. And, you know, you describe your work as being at the intersection of education, health, and cities. Now, education and health all over the world are being recognized as, to use the startup terminology, the hottest sectors. Um, Help me understand what is the meaning of the intersection of education, health, and cities. That's a great question. Um, So it really is intrinsic motivation of humans, right? That if you think about our desire to grow, it comes from a desire to learn. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, education or more broadly skilling has, of course, become uh, an important topic for policymakers as much as it's become a hot topic for startups as well. Mm -hmm. But I think to me, learning and managing our health, ultimately, we are all seeking to live longer lives. In fact, there's now evidence that we are living longer lives than ever before. In fact, we've been adding a couple of years to uh, human lifespan every decade since the late 1800s. Wow. And we are clearly in the age of the 100-year life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and our systems uh, need to respond to this human aspiration and desire to live longer lives. So health is very much at the heart of it. Uh, interestingly, learning and being active is actually one of the factors that scientists have uncovered of what's resulting in longer, healthier, happier lives. Right. Uh, and cities, as I mentioned earlier, is where our lives play out. Sure. So really, these are the three things that I feel are fundamental drivers. Success, mm-hmm. however you define it. So I find it very interesting to work across these three dimensions and particularly, as I said, at the intersection of that. Very nice. And, and you know, again, carrying on from something I read about you, that you said you bring creative strategy, design and mindfulness as skills to the work of education, health and cities. Now, you know, with so many big words, then help me understand what is it that you are doing in these three sectors uh, with all your talent? Sure. So I think you're absolutely right. Um, These words may sound big, though. I hope they're... Uh, well understood. Mm -hmm. Uh, Strategy ultimately is where we want to go. So I think creating the paradigm of health as a way to plan our cities Mm -hmm. is something that we are not doing as well today. Mm -hmm. Uh, We still follow very much the economic growth model or the measure of GDP Mm -hmm. at a country and at a city and province level. And I think that goes to show that we need to update our ways of how we measure success. Because ultimately, all economic growth is in service of humanity. And if we are not healthier as a result of more economic growth and mm-hmm. equitably, mm-hmm. then there is a, the, a challenge. So I think that I don't have to share why that is. Uh, oh, totally. 
but i think uh, strategy is therefore very important because it helps us you know choose our north star of where we are going uh, design again is one of those things which is now become um, i think a discipline that is starting to be well understood at all levels mm-hmm. and so the combination of strategy and design is quite crucial to implementing okay. solutions and i i use the word creative to qualify strategy because ultimately strategy is often understood as a business process mm-hmm. but i think it's a creative process because it necessarily requires inclusion of a variety of stakeholders particularly when you think about animals like cities or education which is usually manifest through universities mm-hmm. uh, or healthcare or health systems uh, and particularly mental and social health which are not very well understood um one of the examples i can share with you that i'm currently working on is uh, imagining and designing and actually delivering mental health gyms so what does a mental health gym look like right i think and that to me is a fascinating question to ask and answer at this time because so tell we are everybody what a mental health gym looks like uh it it looks so there could be a variety but ultimately a good general way to think about it is an intentional public space mm-hmm. uh, an intentional public space means that we know exactly what its purpose is mm-hmm. and it is equipped in terms of its infrastructure in terms of its design for humans to engage with it for said purpose so said purpose could be yoga it could be running it could be uh, sitting quietly and helping manage our mental health it also enables social connection without uh, really causing stress on our bodies and our minds so these are uh, nuances where we need to put in greater effort to understand the the response that our minds and bodies are having when we're engaging with the built environment and particularly public space mm-hmm. as you know in cities we move around a lot mm-hmm. and i don't have to tell you what you must feel like when you're going sitting in a car from gurgaon to delhi um and and what sort of happens along that journey mm-hmm. and therefore we come up with coping mechanisms so we we need to really consider uh solving for this problem at a at a big scale and at a big scale it's only possible when we create interventions in cities which is only possible typically in public spaces mm-hmm. because that's where we gather so a public space could be an urban park a public space case uh, a public space could even be a bus station or a metro station for example how do you add intentionality and provide those moments of pause uh, for our minds where we can sit we can contemplate we can reflect and ultimately recharge and renew because we lead extremely busy lives but these are the connections that we start to make with spaces so uh, that enables our mental health i hope that gives you some sense it's oh, a like. lot of sense to me but let's talk more about health then in our conversation today since you're doing so much work on it uh, you know mental health is a very very serious challenge of most urban dwellers right because uh, all of the stresses that we go through in our daily lives but other than mental health what are the other health challenges um city dwellers see uh, seem to be facing so i think um depending on context of course aging population is a big issue that humanity is facing yeah. right now certainly in in my current place singapore aging aging population is a big challenge that has been articulated yeah. but elsewhere in the world too this is a big issue uh, china is confronting that challenge um so often we look at health through that lens mm. often we also look at health through the lens of post 
trauma or post sickness or post illness care mm-hmm. as opposed to prevention and that to me is the ultimate shift we need to make in our uh, understanding of health that it is a continuous investment of time effort resource mm-hmm. money capital in actually creating health systems that are oriented towards prevention as opposed to care which means that we have to completely reimagine uh, things like hospitals um, which are ultimately assets embedded in the urban environment and so these connections are very important to draw out because one thing has a impact on the other and uh, this requires future planning because if you have millions of people agglomerating in a city so you have one part of the system working on a process to say hey we want more investment we want more talent yet on the other part we are not actually creating assets to manage this boom which ultimately means we need to have health systems at a very fundamental level uh, we are going to be stressed uh, for a variety of reasons the system is going to be under stress and we as individuals are going to be under stress so i feel stress is actually a great way to think about it okay. because it usually starts manifesting early we get signals and cues early but because we are designed to power through stress we have coping mechanisms socially present which enable us to say hey don't worry you're you're you know you're young or you may not be uh, even young you could be older but you you know you see someone or you have a cup of coffee or you have a drink or you have a social engagement and you power through and we learn to suppress and we condition ourselves to basically suppress until we break down and what we're finding is increasing cases of burnout mm-hmm. uh, and suppression uh, so we need to come out and actually one is having discussion about it that's all great but we really need to quite quickly scale solutions that are available to communities and people at scale uh, so that to me is the the most so oh, arup tell me i mean you know uh, you mentioned a little while ago that we are now getting into an age where we probably live to 100 right um, and yet the millennials and the gen zs and you're probably part of the category uh, i find a lot of stress and health related issues in the millennials as well what are some of the key steps that you would recommend are taken for and they won't be common obviously but say for the millennials or the people who are in the 40s or people like me who are in their early 60s what should we be doing differently to be able to make our place uh, you know and only if we are healthy will a city become healthy yeah you are absolutely right um i think you you've cited a bunch of different age groups there so yeah. i'm going to try and tackle each one okay um I, let me start with and and with all humility i i don't uh, have an answer for you know everyone and this no, is simply my, my perspective absolutely so this is simply my perspective and i would say the one common thread across it is to view mental health management as a skill mm-hmm. just like in a very crude way we view now dental health right we brush our teeth every day mm-hmm. uh we didn't always mm-hmm. by the way so it's only like 300 years ago since the modern to you know dental care industry was invented mm-hmm. um so i think it's almost like managing our mental health on a daily basis mm-hmm. so i think unless there is a clear acceptance uh, of that across age groups we're not going to make a big shift as humanity sure um i think in terms of different age groups at this point in time mm-hmm. i feel experience the lived experience of older generations is a tremendous asset but perhaps it's not viewed as such because culturally we find ourselves in this situation where we're celebrating on one hand startup successes younger people and i think that's great 
as a younger person who struggled to you know get ahead because often times you were judged on the basis of your age i think it's great that we have this celebration of youth and that's very helpful mm-hmm. but i think equally we need uh, not just acknowledgement but actually leveraging this idea that we have collective experience and wisdom uh, in a pra- practical way what that means is we need to really revisit things like retirement age we need to really revisit things like can we continue to reinvent ourselves can we go back to school uh, university later in life could we actually have multiple degrees diplomas if if that is the sort of learning that drives you um, could we have employment practices that encourage uh, starting careers over and over again so you can live a life with multiple careers and that's celebrated so to me those are the things to do perhaps in the the two age groups you mentioned of the 60s and the 40s i mean i'm doing that myself mm-hmm. one of the most intentional choices i made uh, post my meditation experience was to really take a hard look at where i was and and in many ways have chosen to reset Okay. and that has been such a liberation at its own level because it allows you to really look at um approaching things with a beginner's mind with a sort of curiosity which i i felt i had actually lost 20 years ago with the kind of zeal i uh looked at stuff right. i think it's I've suddenly sort of reconnected with it so it's been very valuable okay. and i think then talking about the the youngest generation i feel as i said it's almost creating more um flexibility Mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily have to follow the trajectory of what ultimately results in retirement we start with hey you've got to study work retire so i think those two elements of study and work also need to be revisited mm-hmm. people could be studying for a longer period of time in fact lifelong learning is very crucial yeah. and then people can be working in all sorts of different ways right i mean shorter assignments you don't have to commit yourself to a, yeah. one organization throughout your life so on and so forth mm-hmm. very interesting So let me move to uh, another section of a conversation and I'm going to skip a several questions but uh, you you said you use the ikigai tool to develop a personal framework personal framework tell me about this yeah so as you know the ikigai framework is is one of the several frameworks out there which allows you to basically uh start to frame your thoughts in a structure mm-hmm. and it talks about mission passion vocation and profession mm-hmm. and to me that was helpful because I, i i am a polymath i have huge interest in multiple things and till very recently i almost felt that that was a handicap mm-hmm. and then i decided to embrace that because i i do enjoy working on a bunch of different things and collaborating with multiple teams that also allows me to form a holistic view in my head my meta map of yeah. of the world and that's only possible because i learn from others mm. and there are experts in many fields i perhaps can claim expertise in one or two things but ultimately i rely on the expertise of others in many matters right so to me um having this framework was very useful one because it allowed me to isolate a few things which uh, are going to drive my current a view of what i want to do and my future so i have chosen to really commit to each of these dimensions of ikigai so i'm very passionate about mindfulness uh, i am uh, i feel my mission is uh, cities improving the urban environment for better health um and i'm very interested of course in t- taking advantage of the experience i've had over the last two decades of my working experience so education and real estate are the two areas and technology i suppose connects it all so i see design and strategy as my 
as my vocation, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I see management uh, as my profession. I, I was fortunate to have just completed an MBA, perhaps again, consistent with what I said later in life. Mm-hmm. And I found it extremely useful because I thought I understood business, but having real rigorous training mm-hmm. to understand the language of business was, was extremely useful. So I, I think that's how the framework guides me now. Uh, and hopefully we'll continue to in, into the future. Fascinating. So I'm going to now move to the last segment of our conversation. A few questions for you personally. I probably have time for two, maybe three questions. Uh, you say your mantra for the new year is slow and deliberate. And yet you are busier than ever. Yeah, so understand very, this. very counterintuitive. But I suppose the pandemic last year forced us all to slow down. Yeah. And I think I was particularly fortunate to have my mindfulness practice, which enabled me uh, to practice longer hours um, while I was, of course, um, at the same time, finding myself to be far more productive than ever. So in a sense, I started sowing some seeds at the end of last year towards the new direction I'm charting for myself, which I shared with you earlier. And it has allowed me to suddenly find myself in the situation where I have a portfolio of projects um, and I am able to manage that effectively. And so I am busier than ever, but I find that being slow and deliberate is really what helped me get here. And therefore I continue to invest time and effort in being slow and deliberate. Um, I don't necessarily like being busier than ever. So I, I feel that uh, it's, it's, it's important to continue, you know, and that's why I, I said it's my mantra for the year because I keep reminding it's on the wall, uh, you know, be slow and deliberate. But it really has helped me unlock a level of productivity that I, I did not that's have. It. Fantastic. And, you know, in, in your new avatar, as you uh, are rediscovering yourself, reinventing yourself, as you look back and as you look ahead, what does success mean to Anupam from where you are today? Um, I think, uh, I suppose this has been reasonably consistent for me, except that I feel more confident in my definition of success today. Uh, success for me has always meant high quality relationships. I'm a, I'm a pretty social person. And uh, at one level, I, I actually have learned the skill of now being alone, which has actually helped me be social better, mm-hmm. uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. So for me, success is really about uh, leading a healthy life and helping uh, in some way, my family, my uh, community, uh, wherever you go, ultimately, that's where you are. So yeah. my current community, and, and I think a healthy respect for where I come from. So I come from a small town, which is not so small, I guess now, but I'd still like to believe it's small. It's Lucknow mm-hmm. in India, where I hope to, uh, for me, success would look like a healthy, livable Lucknow okay. uh, in my lifetime. Fantastic. And from a work perspective and in your personal perspective, what are some of the core values you believe in? So to me, I think transparency and fairness are two very core values for me. Mm-hmm. I sometimes I find myself at odds because the world doesn't necessarily work around these two uh, ideas, but it, they've stood me in good stead. I think I can sleep well at night knowing that, uh, you know, I gave it my best and I was transparent and I was fair. Um, and I think quality, uh, you know, my dad, I must say, uh, helped me understand quality very early in life. And so I'm grateful for that because often I find myself 
as working as part of a team or a system when we're chasing tangible numbers goals but i always remind myself look all of that is meaningless if it's not quality and that could mean so many different things but i guess that's the other core value absolutely and my last question to you and this is a question to you on failure you know um, i've often said that parents in india or south asia or maybe asia don't teach children it's okay to fail we always told be first in line first in class etc and that manifests itself in our behavior patterns yet we fail and we learn my question to you anupam is what are some of your learnings from some of your mistakes yeah so i i think i i must also uh, share a comment on the the point about parents so i think parents are part of a larger ecosystem and yeah. culture so i think our parents have gone through a particularly difficult uh, you know it's a pattern that repeats itself sure so i think it's a cultural phenomena mm-hmm. and i think it's particularly true of asia Uh, but i think we are becoming more self aware correct so for me the biggest learning to be honest is i i i have i have been allowed to fail if if you will uh, whether it's because i have believed in that for a long time mm-hmm. and uh, perhaps isec set me off in that direction yeah um the biggest thing i've learned is uh, you know to carry on uh, take your time uh, you know it's always good to reflect um, but carry on because life is you know not about past failures it's about the ability to keep going um i suppose the other thing that happened to me growing up in lucknow and lamatnia was our motto was never give in never give up so i think that stuck with me and i i believe in that fantastic anupam thank you so much it's been such a pleasure speaking to you i've really enjoyed listening to all your thoughts on you know healthy cities and you know mental health and what we can all be doing thank you again and wish you lots of success thank you ashutosh Thank you for listening to the brand called You video cast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.